Hello, welcome to episode 81 of Influence Weekly, The Takeaway. Even though this is not the 81st time we're talking here, we are talking about Influence Weekly edition number 81, 19 away from 100. Really excited. Thank you for joining me. Um, This week, uh, it's a slightly different format. We're just going to start with a stat of the week. We're going to do pretty much what is considered a countdown, but we're just going to rip right through all of the very interesting um, analytics and and stuff uncovered this week. And then um, what's not in the newsletter is is quite sad, um, but it's also only sad for us as people, not for the people involved. Uh, They got well paid. Um, So to start off, uh, stat of the week was buried in the newsletter this week. It was that 82% of Gen Z teenagers skip ads. This is incredible. I think a couple years ago I found a stat that said like 25% or something like that of internet users uh, potentially use ad blockers. But that 82% of an entire generation, uh, Gen Z, is, is using um, – uh, are skipping ads first off, and then more than fifty percent are using technology to block ads. So the stat is that eighty-two percent of Gen Z teenagers skip ads, and fifty percent, more than fifty percent, use technology to block ads. This is double what it was, uh, what the normal internet user is, and the normal internet user is quite not not as young as we per- perceived, you know, a couple years ago. Um, it is getting younger, um, but. You know, to, to be double the index is, is pretty crazy, um, pretty awesome um, for influencer marketing, I think. I think if the more amount of ads that are blocked, meaning ads aren't even getting to it, the potential um, audience, the better it is for influencer marketing because influencer marketing is pretty much native ads, pretty much the last bastion of, of getting right in front of the right, correct audience. So um, moving on to uh, the this week's news, uh, influencer ads, there was a neuroscience study. It says influencer ads more emotionally intense and memorable than TV. And the claims come from a neuroscience study. Um, even though they were doing neuroscience and they were t- dealing with like emotions and emotional intensity, um, I actually have a big question about this, and I wonder what the answer is. I still haven't figured it out or found it out, but apparently influencers outperformed YouTube ads in emotional intensity and in memory encoding, meaning that people actually remember that. But if a consumer was exposed to an influencer ad before they saw a regular TV ad, Facebook ad, or YouTube ad, they're more likely to feel positive towards the ad and more likely to remember it. So you can go in the stats or in this this email that I've sent you here. I don't want to be like repeating 28%, 58%, 47%. But just generally the interesting thing is I, I wonder what the benchmark is. I wonder um, when you see an ad before another ad for the same product, what is – what is the memory encoding difference? What is the emotional intensity? Is there a neutral intensity? Can you say like, if if you hated the ad the first time, do you hate the ad more? Or do you, is it more neutral? In 
because of personal reasons, we might think like if we see an ad more and more and more times, we think more and more negatively of it. But I think overall across all demographics, I think it would be, get closer to neutral. So, um, so I would have assumed that if you saw an influencer ad before an ad that you would remember it more because it's the second time you saw it or heard it. Um, so I wonder what the benchmark is. I wonder if this is actually like these numbers, 58 per, if you see an influencer ad before a regular TV, Facebook or YouTube ad, you're 58% more likely to feel positive towards the ad. So, and 47% more likely to remember it again, being that it's the first and second time. And does that matter if it's the first, second, third, fourth, fifth time? Is it, does it matter if it's the, if the first time you see an ad is that it's by an influencer? Maybe, or if, it, if you see an ad and then you see an influencer ad like the third time and then you see, like this, very interesting questions that this brings up. I'd love to find out more. But um, generally speaking, it did say that influencers outperformed YouTube ads by emotional intensity and in memory encoding. I think um, emotional intensity does not necessarily mean positive. It probably means whichever way it was going before, it goes more that way. Um, this is the second week in a row that like some financial uh, analysis and financial re revenue reports from the stock market brought interesting um, influencer-led sort of statistics. Um, I don't know if I'm more prone to it now, but like this is Tatcha, which is a skincare brand, um, and they got acquired. But like, um, what's super interesting is that it put together their year-over-year -year increases in its influencer community was 51%. And through the whole thing, I'm not going to bore you with all of the numbers because they're they're almost like they're going to wash over you. What I enjoyed from this this is that it, it used earned media value or EMV, and and it didn't do it in the way that I've seen others like prove that influencer marketing works because of the EMV. What it did is it, it just shows the increase. So it said like, so what we don't know is what's how much effort and time they put in, but we did see an increase. So, so year over year, they increased its influencer community by 51%. The EMV per, per ambassador average increased 75%. Total post volume, 135%. Um, and these like year over year outperformed the top 10 skincare brands. Um, what's again, I, I do apologize. Like what's, missing from this is like what they actually did. Right. But I'm absolutely fascinated. Whenever I see MV now, I'm absolutely fascinated by how they use it. Um, and touch is still growing. So it, the brand between January and April, 2019 had a total of 53 million earned media value. And that represented a hundred percent year over year jump from the same month in 2018. And it only expanded its ambassador community by 55%. That's incredible. So whatever they're doing, they're doing it more efficiently. I can't wait to see some more, um, some more uh, uh, stats from this. And I would love to hear if, if you are defining your um, year over year sort of earned media value, please let me know. And I'm happy to feature it and I'm happy to engage with you on, on how to figure that out and what to do, you know, if it goes down or how to increase it. Cause this tells me they're being more efficient they're using better influencers or they, they've tapped influencers who are growing themselves. This is fantastic. Uh, next up is Samsung's global CMO says, I'm pessimistic about influencer marketing. 
initially I was going to not include this in the newsletter, but I actually read it and, and, and it's <laughs> much different. So the headline, and it'll probably be copied and pasted across LinkedIn for the next two and a half months. I'm pessimistic about influencer marketing. It, it actually doesn't even, <laughs> it, it actually means that the, in the actuality, what he's hinting at is that he's moving from working with influence, from people of influence, um, just in general, to more local communities. So, and they say a homogenous set of Instagram stars. So people, instead of using just Instagram stars, which is actually funny enough, closer to like celebrity marketing, when you get to like large, large, large Instagram stars, it's more like celebrity marketing and endorsement. And they're going actually more towards influence marketing, which is local communities. They've even set up a series of hubs around the world where people can buy the latest hardware and participate in taking lessons and everything from photography and filmmaking to art. So like, this is fantastic. It's like getting ground uh, boots on the ground, uh, local ambassadors, teaching people not just like that Samsung is there, not saying, oh, I'm using a Samsung, but it's like, here, here's how you do photography on a Samsung. Here's how you do filmmaking. Here's how you do art. Fantastic. Absolutely amazing. And I, and I can't wait to see more from this. Um, this was one of um, the most fascinating articles I've read about guns <laughs> in a while. It says, gun influencers on Instagram are a boon to gun companies. So apparently the gun companies can't advertise on social media. And so what do they do? They turn to female influencers, of all things. So Kyle Klaus, head of marketing at Gun Safe Company Liberty Safe, refers to influencers as quote unquote, the goose laying the golden egg for the firearms industry. And what's fascinating about this too is um, I read deeper into this. Again, this is like one of the most fascinating articles I've ever read about guns. And, um, and, and why I say it was like, why I was coy about the female influencers is because they didn't just, they, they found out that like, if you use just sort of pretty women um, that are not actually gun enthusiasts, it didn't work. And so what they did is their, um, actually using like real life hunters, um, firearm experts, and and it's absolutely working. Um, there's dozens of women uh, make, and, and, and I, I love this, there's dozens of women making partial or complete livings off of Instagram grids full of guns and perfect smiles. And again, when I looked through this, I was like, it was not like just your normal, like it wasn't just uh, Instagram stars that just happened to like pose with a gun. These are actual like influencers and enthusiasts. And, and it just shows me like, as a create on the creator side, right? If I'm looking to uh, do something, uh, make money off of it, like I should be doing the thing that I love the most and, and want to do for a couple of years without the recognition or, or, or money with it. Um, and, and these are the creators that are paid off the most um, when something like this happens, when gun companies can't advertise and they need to go through somewhere, they need to get their message out, they need to spend money. Um, and who do they call? They, they call the people who are actually like doing correct work and, and doing the good work. Interesting, interesting article. I would absolutely recommend reading the entire thing. It was absolutely fascinating. Um, next up, how Adidas is using smaller scale influencers. Um, pretty simply, they are making a show about them. So instead of just using the influencers as a promotion, right? And, and influencer marketing, a lot of the part is put on the marketing. It's put on like, oh, here's creators who have their own audience. But in this case, they're using smaller 
um, creators, and they created the Tingo Squad FC show. It's two se- that apparently has run two seasons, and it's the best street ball- street footballers. Um, and they chart their journey as uh, the brand's first social media football team. Very interesting um, that they're there. They've done this. They've done it now two seasons. Um, I love it. Uh, coming from the broadcast world, so I worked you know in the last four years in um, um, TV broadcast at, and working actually like ten years in broadcast television. Um, this this is fantastic. Uh, I love this inclusion of smaller influencers. You're not using their names. Um, they're able to, to showcase their art. And um, on the creator side too, it's like the, one of the very best things you can do to get followers is like be on a TV show. Like we see this every season with The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. We see it with all types of, um, we saw it with the Kardashians. This is like, like getting a platform like this in a show that can showcase your personality, that can showcase like why people want to f- f- visit you and, and be with you once a week. Um, fantastic. Love it. Next up, Philip Morris suspends influencer marketing after questions are raised about the ages of its influencers. Awesome. Good. Philip Morris shouldn't be doing advertising. Oh, well, they should do it with the right age people. That's about it. Um, One of the – this is sort of the last uh, topic of the day, but um, I totally buried this lead – um, in, in, a, in an article that said Veris Shop is leveraging the power of influencers when in reality I should have been uh, very, less coy about this but it's former Snap Chief Strategy Officer Imran Khan it says new app Veris Shop and it features a designated area for tastemakers aka influencers and they're given their own pages to curate selections of products they recommend doesn't this ex- sound exactly like Amazon's influencer uh, game um, Veroshop is targeting affluent millennials aged 23 to 38 with more than $75,000 in household income. This one is really interesting. I, I can't wait to see um, how Veroshop goes. I, I cannot believe it's I cannot believe it's going to fail. Um, and if it does, it, it's not going to be on the backs of influencers because this is a really cool little uh, way to uh, use their influences. It's not necessarily um, a bad way. Um, it's, it's using all of the power of influencer marketing of, of e-commerce all on their app. So, um, again, I applaud them for copying Amazon's influencer program. More people should, uh, and they're targeting the right demographic that's using social media. Again, I mean, Verishop, they're targeting millennials that were using snap. So Imran Khan knows what he's doing here. Um, Looking forward to seeing more from this. So uh, next section in the podcast or audio version of the newsletter, what's not in the newsletter? So um, going around LinkedIn and Facebook mainly was a couple weeks ago or one week ago was construction dad. So this this girl said, oh, my dad became an influencer or or is like making fun of me and then he became an influencer. Uh Uh-oh. Turns out. Construction Dad is a coffee ad. Uh, this turned quite sad because it ended up being just an ad for a coffee company. Um, clever, clever idea, but um, I, I honestly don't know why people are going to be um, purchasing coffee. I think this is like that, like, new. there's no such thing as bad news, but, like, it's sort of non-existent news because they're, they're – 
the original idea they had, which is fine, is like they wanted to tap influencers but didn't know which kind of influencers to tap, or, or rather they knew and they couldn't find them, and they wanted to create their own influencer. And and their own influencer like a blue-collar working construction dad, um, which sounds great, but then the way that it like got out was this like viral way and like this – the. The fact that it was a fake, right? That it was like not actually someone's father, and that was the message that was said: is like, oh, this is cute. This this guy is making fun of his daughter, and and now he's famous, right? Like four hundred thousand followers. Is that story selling coffee? Not really. I wonder though, um, what could have happened? Like, what if? What if they did it straight and narrow? And the, and the I guess you know the the idea is the straight and narrow. The PR would not have made the headlines if it was like coffee company makes their own influencer. Like that doesn't sell sell news, right? Um, so I applaud them for getting a good viral hit. I unapplaud them for being a coffee ad. Like I I think there's better. I I don't know. I think there could have been a more creative campaign. Um, I think they, they are missing out on a lot of opportunities with influencer marketing. When they say that like blue collar working dads don't aren't influencers, I can I can think of a lot. I mean like Roman Atwood is a good example. Maybe he's even too young, but um you know, there's a lot of cool dads on YouTube and Instagram and uh, I think they, they missed the the creative beat on this. Even though absolutely got viral and is a hit great awesome it's not a coffee ad <laughs> um quite turned out quite sad for everyone except for the people involved they all got paid very well they did their job perfectly um but thank you for listening i want to finish up by asking for your feedback um i have this podcast called the takeaway where i give you the news of the week on a Monday, so you can listen to this on your commute. Um, but I also have um, another podcast called Talking Points, and I hope you're getting that too and listening to that. And that is from inside the offices of agencies. If you're an agency and listening to this, please email me, hi at influenceweekly.co, and I will uh, get you on the schedule. Um, one a week. <laughs> We've already had, God, who, who we had? We had? We had the GOAT agency to start it off. Last week we had the Q from L.A., um, the Goat Agency, by the way, is like all around the world. Um, and then uh, this week, which um, you'll get probably in two days, is uh, Open Influence. Um, and I believe they're they're based in San Diego. I'll have to double check that. Don't fact check me on that. Um, but really excited uh, to have uh, more um, agencies sign up for that and be a part of uh, letting letting us into your uh, inside information and processes and, and how do you process the news of the week and how do you react to that uh the cues episode was fantastic because it just so happened to fall on a week that had a ton of tiktok news and they are i believe the uh, and, and self-proclaimed and and i believe it's true uh the agencies that's doing the most tiktok campaigns since tiktok has started i mean they started when they were doing when it was musically uh, full disclosure, I was working on those campaigns as well, and of course, love the work. Um, so get on that one. It went out on a Thursday night, I believe. Um, so if you're looking for a link to that, I might actually link to it in here. Um, 
Thank you for listening. I hope you had a great one. Uh, have a great rest of your commute. And please give me some feedback on uh, what is the good things about this podcast, the bad things. Do you want more? Do you want me to go deeper? Or do you want me to go wider uh, into the topics of the week? Thank you very much. Bye.